After Dark, presented by DraftKings. Use the code CHGO when you sign up. Back as always, I am your host, Greg Braggs Jr., and alongside me as always is our guy, Corey Wooten. Uh, Corey, we, these are turning into um, therapy sessions every week. You know, we, we got one win. Um, you know, at least we got one in the last year, but the Bears are now 386 days removed since their last home victory. They could not, uh, you know, pull out the victory against the Vikings. And worse yet, it looks like Justin Fields is going to be on the shelf for a period of time. Hard to say how long, but it's not looking good. Uh, when you assess the damage, you know, where does everything stand for you right now? Yeah, it's just tough because um, Fields had arguably two of his best performances as a bear uh, with the commanders and then the week before uh, against the Broncos. And we kind of thought this offense and Luke Getze turned the corner right, right from where they needed to be defensively. I thought they played pretty well in this Vikings game, right? I thought they, they played well. Uh, they were able to limit the Vikings to 19 points. And, you know, I granted Je Justin Jefferson wasn't there, but, you know, Kirk Cousins liked to air it out and he could usually find a way to get things going. And he kind of struggled a little bit. So it's just disappointing when you see, even when Bajan came in, the play calling, right? Early on was good. But my thing is like this. You had second and one towards the end of the game, right? Yep. And instead of running the football when you have four men, you know, you had Evans averaging four and a half to five yards a pop. You decide to do a swing screen to the wide receiver, get tackled for a loss, then third and three, and then you do another swing screen the other way. Yeah. That, se that seems a lot like Matt Nagy. And oh, yeah. my thing is like this. Luke Getze, you've shown in the past two weeks that you can call – a good game. I, I just didn't understand that at all. And my thing is like this, Brian Flores, the coordinator for, for the Vikings, he was bringing the house every time. 71, 71% on the game. Exactly. So where were the screens and draws and things like that? I'm not talking about wide receiver screen. Where's the running back screens? Where, where's the quick hot route throws? We didn't see much of that. Right. So even when Justin Fields was in there, yeah, he's holding the ball a little bit too long, but they're bringing the house doing press coverage. What do you expect to happen? Um, so I just didn't understand why Luke Getze didn't make those adjustments. So it, I would love as, as an offensive coordinator to have a team do that because there's so much you can do off that to combat that. So I just, I just didn't understand why, especially with, with being able to run the ball like they did, right. why there were certain calls, why there wasn't some sprint outs, why there was, wasn't some play action. Um, you know, especially yeah, it's, it's just very frustrating, right? Because usually the first couple of drives is going to tell you what that team is going to do. So then, you know, based on what they're showing, where they're bringing pressure, this, that, and the other. And we just didn't see adjustments to that. So that especially, especially that last uh, interception, they were bringing in the house. They brought eight guys right yep. on that last play. Oh yeah. I just didn't understand why it was a five-step drop. I don't <laughs> understand. I mean, they, 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 they never, they haven't put their quarterbacks in a position that's going to help them out. You yeah. know, are the quarterbacks making mistakes? Sure. But you can help put your quarterback in the best position to win both in the Tampa. I thought this was a carbon copy of the Tampa game in a lot of ways too, yep. where they showed they could run the ball and yet, and, and the offense is struggling to execute, not just the quarterback. Everybody is struggling to execute and you still refuse to run the ball. And, and, and I understand they had like 37 carries, but I'm talking about in those crucial down moments, like you just said, second and one then it was third and three and they ran two straight screens or three straight screens but the second and one i'm glad you went right to that because to me that really just put the spotlight on what the problem was because they were running the ball effectively second and one run the damn ball what's so hard about it and it's 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 like oh well you're playing monday morning quarterback i'm sorry the first half when Fields was in there, they got into the first and goal. It's the same thing. You got down there by running the ball. Keep running it. It's a war of attrition. Beat it down their throat until they can stop it. Second half, same thing. Bajan comes in. Final, The final uh, interception. Yes, they bring the blitz, but guess what? They should have been running the damn ball, and I don't care what, like, oh, you're just saying that because he threw a pick. No, I'm saying that because he had just thrown a first down. You're coming up on the two-minute warning. You're trying to get one more play in, which I agree with. Do that. But this is a rookie Division II quarterback who's getting his first reps, had no week of preparation for any of this. 
you've got Minnesota on their heels, not just by what Bajit was doing, but because the running game was starting to break through. Run the damn ball. And too many times, including in the Tampa game where they ran for like a record low at that time, 12 carries with the running backs or whatever, uh, for, yeah, I'm not going to say record low, but maybe a record low for Getze. It's the same thing. They just, there's just so many times where they refuse to run the football. And that's honestly what's pissed me off most about this year. They need it. It's good medicine. It is. It is. Especially when you have a quarterback, it just makes everything that much easier. So Bajan's going to be the guy for the next couple of weeks. And if you want to see him do well, right, you have to run the football, work the play action off it. Um, but pressure, right? Let's talk about an example from, from this past weekend, Sunday, right? The Eagles, right? Jalen Hurts in that talented offense, right? Look how the Jets got after him with pressure. He threw three picks in that game. Didn't, didn't look like the Jalen Hurts that we all know. Why? Because pressure is hard for quarterbacks. Think, think about this, right? When the Bears were really rocking back when Vic Fangio was the D.C., right? Remember Jared Goff came into town with Todd Gurley, and they have the top offense. Right. What, what did the Bears do with Khalil Mack and Vic Fangio? He dialed it up. So, so a guy like Jared Goff was leading the league in this and, and completions and all this stuff. He comes in there, and I think he threw for 60 yards in that game. Todd Gurley, they stuffed him. So pressure, um, look what they did to Kirk Cousins back when that when that defense with Vic Fangio. Kirk Cousins was a shell of himself, guy that puts up numbers, stats, this, that, and the other. Why? Because we pressured him, right? And it's tough, but people don't realize that. So the thing is you have to have a game plan off that. You do. You have to have the screens, the draws, the, the quick passing. You got to keep them off balance, right? That's how you keep – uh, either a talented defensive line or a team that brings a lot of pressure off balance, right? Because it's a good thing, right? It's a very it's a very risky thing at the same time, right? Because when you bring all that pressure, that leaves you exposed. Right. But you have to have the right game plan off it. And Luke Getze didn't do that, right? Philly struggled with that. And look at, hey, Zach Wilson, he's been up and down, this, that, and the other. But the thing is, that defense has been carrying them. Imagine what they would do if they had Aaron Rodgers. It would be unbelievable. But that's what I'm saying. The Bears, they, they played good enough to win. But imagine next year, hopefully, when they load up that defensive line, what they'll be able to do yep. defensively as far as pressure. Because it all works together, right? The yep. rushing cover. Sometimes we're seeing they're getting a little bit better as far as pressure, but we're seeing the quarterbacks hold the ball too long, even Kirk Cousins, right? You got to generate more pressure. So um, week in and week out, the, the teams that really struggle are the teams that get pressured, even the most talented quarterbacks, right? Yep. Josh Allen, you know, he was up and down uh, play, playing the Giants yesterday, right? Um, week one against the Jets, he struggled three picks. Pressure makes quarterbacks sometimes reveal themselves and, and, and do stuff that's uncharacteristic of what they're used to. Sure. So, it, it just gets you. You have to have a game plan off that from the beginning. You know how Flores gets down. You know he loves to bring that pressure. Why not have that from the jump? And especially after the first series, right? First series, you're trying to figure out that it's usually the template for what they're going to do. All of a sudden, have that off there, right? He was running the ball well, right? Work the play action off that, right? And then all of a sudden, you know, there's situations where uh, Foreman's one-on-one -on, -one on Daniel Hunter. Why? Why in that situation, right? And, and if Foreman's one-on-one -on -one of them, you can't block Daniel Hunter up high, right? Like, defensive right. end on a running back up high, right. it's a win all the time. You got to cut him, right? And, and, if, and if you whiff, that's on you, right? You got to do a better job on that. But, it, but if you cut him, it, it definitely slows him down. Well, that's, that's exactly where I was going to go with it. When you talk about it's, it's, you know, defenses applying pressure on quarterback and the quarterback gets off his spot and, and makes mistakes, you know, you even saw that when Kirk Cousins threw it behind the line of scrimmage. I mean, that was because the Bears forced pressure and, and forced him into having to make a quicker decision. And he made a stupid one and, and he threw the ball backwards. TJ Edwards should have been credited with a fumble recovery. But like even when they threw the pick, TJ Edwards got matched up one on one with a running back. TJ Edwards blew through him and knocked him right into the quarterback. And then there, Kirk Cousins throws a pick. So you mentioned Deontay Foreman on Daniil Hunter. This is almost like where it feels like Luke Getzey's trying to outsmart himself because in the last week, you know, in, in, when they beat Washington and Denver, they were doing a lot of 12-man personnel, which means they're bringing two tight ends in to help with blocking. Now, somebody's going to have to help me out with how many snaps they were in 12-man personnel yesterday, but all I know is if you're going to run a play like that where you've got to have 
you know, a blocker, you know, check Daniil Hunter. That's not an offensive mm. lineman. Let it be Mercedes Lewis. That's who you right. brought in to do that kind of a job. Now, you know this better than the average fan like me, Corey. Like, that's a you say, okay, Deontay Foreman's got to cut him down. But so is that his period expectation, period? Or could Getsy have bailed the team out by having better personnel in there for that kind of play? Yeah, well, I think in that situation, right, however they slid the protection, right, um, they had him one-on-one, right, because Daniel Hunter came in the inside gap, and that's who Foreman had, right? In that situation, hey, maybe that's just the way the protection is, and they exploited that matchup. Uh, I think that's really what it was, but Foreman's got to go low on that situation. He kind of caught him. It was very soft, and Foreman's not a soft guy, but Daniel Hunter's a freak of nature. My man looks like a bodybuilder. Uh, he, he didn't want any part of that, right? So I'm thinking you meet him up in that gap, you throw it his, his inside leg, and you try to cut him. And usually usually a defensive end is going to put his hands right away, and and it'll it'll slow him down a little bit. So they exploited that matchup, but Foreman, you can't you can't just catch him and then have him beat you. You got you got to meet him in there, even if you're going to go up high. You got you got to chin strap him, right? And there's some guys that were able to do that. Marshawn Lynch, I've seen plenty of examples of where he meets a defensive end up there, hit him right inside the chin. David Montgomery has done that as well. So you just can't be you can't be hesitant in that situation. And that's what Foreman is. You you if you're if you're gonna go up and hit him up high, you got to meet him up close because more yardage that he has, he's gonna run you over, run through you. So you got you got to pick one. Okay, so when you talk about sliding the protection, you know, the way Adam Hogue explained it on the postgame show to me, because I asked him to, to really break it down for me so I can have an understanding, because I think these are things that some fans pretend like they know and other fans admit they don't know. I'm one of those in that category that will admit I don't like when a play doesn't work. We were joking with Cole Komet. We don't like the plays that don't work. Just run the plays that do work. But the why of of why you know i know our matt naggy um you know parody accounts in the chat but the why of a play is is the reason it doesn't work and fans too often there will be a mistake made you know and you see a defensive end come wide open nobody's blocking him untouching he lays out just field and you're gonna blame the left tackle you know you're gonna blame whatever's right in front of you is who you're gonna blame but sometimes it's bigger than that and hogue explained on that first play of the game where the the one where Borum went down, that one? I don't know. Did Borum go down? No, no, I'm talking about he slid the protection down and there was right. a free hitter. Right. That one. Right. And and Justin Fields got laid out. Yeah. Hogue's sitting there saying, Well, that's on the quarterback because he has to identify that there's more pass there's more guys on the line of scrimmage on defense that are coming towards the quarterback than there are blockers for them. Yep. So he has to identify that and and slide the protection or know that it's coming and get the ball out quickly. When you look at that, you know, what is your response to that? Well, well, sometimes in, in, with different teams, it's different who controls the protection, right? So usually that's a lot of times on the center, right? So I think, I think the way things were set up, like I think that was Lucas Patrick that was making that call right there. So it just depends because it's or, not or one Co- size or Cody fits White Or Cody Whitehair. Or Cody Whitehair, yeah. sorry, rather. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that was on him where they're sliding the protection. So I think that was just miscommunication between them because that's that's something that that Justin Fields, if he if he knows they're sliding down, he should see that right away. So I, I highly doubt that he knew they were sliding the protection and acting like nobody's coming. So I think it might have been a might have been a situation where, yeah, may, maybe there was a miscommunication between the actual protection. So I, I just find that hard to believe that. Justin Fields didn't know right when that play started that someone's screaming off the edge because knowing the way he is, right? As soon as somebody comes over there, he would have done the old Tony Romo where you come up there and loop back around. So uh, I, I don't, I truly don't know whose fault it was because we could say back and forth, oh, it was Fields' fault or, was, or it was Larry Borum's fault or it was Whitehair's. We really don't know how they call protections exactly, right? Some teams you see where the quarterback calls them out. Other teams you see where the linemen do. So I, I really don't know how exactly they call the protections. Yeah. So speaking of Cody Whitehair, he was also right at the center, no pun intended, of the biggest, one of the biggest issues of the game. And that was snapping the ball. It was almost unbelievable. He's always had a problem snapping the ball for years. This is nothing new. And then he had problems at camp. I w- witnessed it firsthand. He'd roll a few balls past the quarterback. 
And you're just always like, what's up with this? He's got the yips when it comes to snapping the ball. But this game, it was happening more than you ever see it. it. I mean, it was almost every other play where it's either going high or going low. And I, I can't seem to understand what's so hard about this. And I'm trying to be respectful because I've never lined up on the offensive line. But why is it why is it so hard for Cody and Lucas Patrick had his own problems? Why is it so hard for these guys to snap the football cleanly to the quarterback? Uh, I, I I don't know. You, you know, you know, they say do your job, right? Whether it's a kicker, kicking the field goal and all this. You got to have the snaps. But like not every snap is going to be perfect. But I mean, I counted it a good. 20 plus snaps that were that were awful right where the quarterback had to move his arm up here you know catch it low hit the dirt like you can't have snaps like that especially when minnesota's bringing pressure like that every second really does matter so they were behind the eight ball and i'm like okay lucas patrick is back things are going to be better and he had a couple errant snaps yep. i don't know if they were having trouble gripping the football or whatnot but you can't have those issues minnesota did not have those issues right so I, I don't know what was going on. Hopefully they could correct that because Bajent, like, you can't have a young quarterback in there trying to get his confidence, trying to figure out the flow of the game and having to worry about, you know, p- playing basketball and having to go up and get a rebound right. <laughs> when he's snapping it back there. So that's got to be corrected. That was that was probably the worst I've seen in a football game that I've At ever watched. At one point it happened like four times in a row. And, yeah. and, and then Cody gets benched when Tyson Bajent comes in. And then the explanation after the game was that they wanted Tyson to have a center where he could get more comfortable. And so then they turned around and asked Tyson Bajent because then everyone's just assuming, well, you know, it, it's because they work together with the second team. Well, then they asked Tyson Bajent, well, who do you do work with during the week? Snap the ball. He said, neither actually. So to me that, that showed, Eberflus's hand as much as he was trying to protect Cody Whitehair that showed Matt Eberflus's hand that he's admitting in that that it, it was a benching because of performance and not because of this familiarity thing because Tyson admitted they don't play together so when you see that like you know I just can't understand you know and Hogue was so frustrated with this and I agree what is so wrong with just saying hey he wasn't getting the job done and so we had to make a switch I don't know. I, I, it seems like uh, they don't want to create controversy, but I'm like, as a coach, you have to have those uncomfortable situations, right? Because ultimately, if they're not doing what they're supposed to do on the field, you're not going to be the coach anymore, right? Because that's usually going to lead into a performance of losing games, not being consistent. So you got you got you got to man up, you got to buck up, and you got you got to keep it real, right? If you're if, if you're not calling the game like you need to, you have to take accountability, right? And when some guys aren't doing well, I understand about calling people out or whatever, but you just got to say, hey, listen, Cody White here, I love him, respect him, but his performance snapping the football, it, it, was, it wasn't up to par. We had to, we had to remove him, right? There's too many errant throws. Simple as that. What, yep. What's the problem with that? You're not throwing anybody under the bus. You're not calling them every name in the book. You're just keeping it real. Like anybody that has eyes that was looking at the game, they could <laughs> see that, right? It was, it was evident. Brax, I've never seen snaps that bad. Like, usually you see maybe one or two a game, if that. It's crazy. Right? I don't think I've ever seen that. Like, that, every snap, you're like, oh, my God. Oh, my. Like, they're, it, you know, <laughs> they're doing Thriller over here. Like, you know, I'm like, what is going on? Well, the week before, Justin had to, like, jump, like, four, you know, four feet in the air, and then he takes off and gets eight yards somehow. And it acts like that that's sustainable. And it, it all came to a head in this game because it just was happening too consistently, which is crazy to say. And and I think there's a lot of fans that would un, that that wouldn't really appreciate just how much that throws off the timing and rhythm of an offense. You know, everybody's like, you know, uh, you know, talking about po- only want to hone in on what the quarterback's not doing right. And he holds but either quarterback hold their responsibility on getting it's not always going to be perfect. So sometimes you got to make a play, even if the circumstances around you aren't perfect. But at the same time, when your center is consistently giving you bad snaps and the timing of the offense is immediately thrown off, you've seen it, how it affects when Justin Fields is in. But Tyson Bajan in three series, you saw it. The final pick of the game, it's a bad snap. 
he makes a bad throw. That's all anyone's going to talk about is the terrible throw. But at the same time, your processor has to now speed up tenfold when you, I just don't think people can really understand or appreciate it. Even me saying this can truly never understand how fast things are happening. Once that ball is snapped, these guys are buzzing past you. And now the, the ball is snapped and, and everything is thrown off and you just got to get it out of your hand. Exactly. Like they, they have to approach this like tennis, right? You have to be ready for whatever is going to happen. You got to be in, in the ready position because usually quarterbacks, right? They usually have one leg back. They're kind of very relaxed when they're taking the snap, right? But all of a sudden now they have to approach it in a different way, which is which is out of this world. So it's they got to clean up those issues, especially if they're going to have any chance because Aaron throw, then all of a sudden they're bringing pressure down your down your neck and then you have to catch the ball, react, have your footwork. It's just a tough situation. And and the thing is, too, so a big thing, and, and we all know this, right? When when uh, Bajan came in, you know, people are clapping, people are applauding all this. Um, so, like, I under, I don't understand why why people I, – I just don't understand why that, right? Like, I understand Bajan is, is new or whatever, but I just don't understand why people are so down on Justin Fields, right? I don't care who is the quarterback for this team. If Luke Getzey calls the plays like he did the first couple uh, games and this past game, it doesn't matter who's a quarterback. It didn't matter if Tom Brady came back over there because the play calling has been awful. So, yes, you know, Justin Fields at times or Bajan, you know, there's a couple Aaron throws and bad decisions. But the thing is, Luke Getzey is not setting them up for success. And people have to realize that, right? Coaching right. does matter. And that's something that we've had, we've talked about in, in the previous weeks. Coaching does matter, right? There's no reason they should be putting on that performance when against the commanders who have one of the best defensive lines in the game, they're, they're able to have a good plan. And the week before against the Broncos, right? And yeah, I know the Broncos aren't the most talented football team, but they are an NFL team. They make competitive in games. So there's no reason why we should just see such an up and down after two consecutive weeks. So Luke Getze has to be better. He has to look in the mirror and he has to call a better game plan for Bajant coming in for Justin Fields, right? So Justin Fields, I do believe he is talented. I do believe he can make all the throws when he's confident, right? And if you have a good game plan for him. And I, I think Getze just just has to be better, man. He has to. If, if, if anybody, it doesn't matter if Caleb Williams got drafted next year. And if Getze's calling the plays very inconsistent like this, it doesn't matter who's the quarterback. So... It, it's got to be better across the board. Eberflus ha has to be better taking accountability. Um, it, it just is. It, it just looks weak, in, in my opinion. And I think he's a nice guy. I think the guys like him. But you, you got to man up, right? You got to you got to call it how it is. I'm not saying throw anybody to the bus, but you have you have to make those those uncomfortable conversations. And it is what it is. Well, if he's not going to call out Chase Claypool through the media, then he's certainly not going to call out guys. Uh, that are currently on the roster. You know, you talk about the fans, and we can get into that, uh, certainly where I was going to uh, hone to next. And uh, so I'll just kind of lay a fan right at your right at your doorstep. Swanky, who's um, someone I've known for a long time through the mean streets of Bears Twitter. He's, he, he follows podcasts. He puts in the chat, Corey, just because fans are excited about Bajent doesn't mean that we don't like Justin. Bajent brings really good qualities to the table. Quick release, accurate, processes quick, smoothly. Corey, your response to that? Yeah, I mean, I mean, Bajent definitely, definitely looks pretty comfortable getting the ball out quick. I mean, his arm, I mean, we can see he doesn't have the zip. It's just, it's just evident, right? Um, so I, I think, um, yes, he, he does have some good qualities. But to think that that Bajan can be a friend, I, I don't know if people are thinking he could be a franchise quarterback or they're excited about, I don't know. It's, it's just it's just kind of a little indifferent because there are teams that would be lining up for Justin Fields right now. Imagine yeah. if the Jets had Justin Fields. I really do believe he'd be very successful for them, right? I, I do think they have the, the right situation with the great defense. Um, you know, I, I definitely think he'd be successful in there. Um I think he'd be better for the Patriots, right? I think he would do well in a lot of systems out there, right? So I, I just, I just think like those, those last two games showed the potential that he could have, and he didn't even play his best game. So that's why, that's why I'm excited about Justin Fields. So I know, hey, 
you look at Josh Allen, right? People will say Josh Allen's one of the best quarterbacks in the league, right? The Jets game week one, he looked awful, right? Mm-hmm. Last night, eh, he looked okay, right? Tyrod, you could you could make an argument. Tyrod Taylor looked better than, right? Career, career backup, you know, started some games here or there. But I, I just don't know why everybody, why the Justin Fields hate. He's had a coordinator that has been so inconsistent, right? You put him in San Francisco's system, boy, watch out. Yeah, you know. The but way I, but, but I also him. think, to be fair to that, and I've made that point a million times, and that, that's always been my point of that it's coaching. But at the same time, I think we we could both agree that a lot of quarterbacks would look good with San Francisco too, right? Because it's, I mean, they really put it on full display of what, how important a system is, how important a coach that understands adjusting and, and pregame strategy and in-game adjustments is. But not every team has the San Francisco coaching staff too. Like they're, you know, I mean, I know Mike McDaniel came from that tree and he's doing some unique things in Miami, but they're kind of an, I'm not going to say an anomaly, but they're one of the top teams as far as coaching that has that advantage. Don't you think a lot of quarterbacks, not just Justin Fields. And I, like I said, I've said this before, but don't you think a lot of quarterbacks would go to San Francisco and flourish because of the system they run? Potentially. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it just depends. Like I think he he's doing what, Belichick did for years with, with with the quarterbacks over there, right? Put them in positions to succeed, right? Set up the good system and, and whatnot. So I, I I agree with you. I think I think a lot of quarterbacks would potentially do well, but I think when you talk about talent, right? Brock Purdy and Justin Fields, right? And I'm not saying Justin Fields has reached his full potential or any means, but I think there's a lot more upside for a guy like Justin Fields than Brock Purdy. Would you not agree with that? Yeah, of course. I, yep. I definitely would. Exactly. So, so my thing is like this, yes, San Francisco has a great system, right? I think uh, Mike McDaniel, what he's doing in Miami, it shows, right? Because Tua, they were, they're ready to push him to the side. He comes in there, they have Tyreek Hill, who's, who's on a different level, but what they're able to do there and put like a bad game for Tua is 300 yards, three touchdowns. That's a bad game for him, right? (laughs) One interception. So what they're doing there is a different level. And the difference of what Shanahan, what Mike McDaniel is doing is they're putting their quarterbacks and all their players in positions to succeed, right? Yep. Kansas City as well. And I always bring up this example, Andy Reid, right? When he got Alex Smith, Alex Smith got beat up by Colin Kaepernick, right? They said, nope, Colin Kaepernick's our guy. Alex Smith was this game manager. He comes to he comes to uh, Kansas City and four-time pro bowler, leading the league in touchdowns, completion percentage, yards, and all this, right? So what's the difference, right? Game manager, and then all of a sudden, one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Mm-hmm. It's because of the coaching, right? Andy Reid got the best out of him, right? Yep. So and, he, he did, and he did that in Philly, too. Exactly. He did that in Philly. Um, but the thing is, if Patrick Mahomes, people talk, oh, we could have had Patrick Mahomes, the Bears would have ruined him. I promise you that. Like, he wouldn't be who he is. And that's no disrespect to Patrick Mahomes. It's because the Bears, Matt Nagy and company, and th- didn't know how to game plan for him. And the dude said, well, Matt Nagy's the offensive coordinator now. No, he's not. That's his title. Andy Reid is calling the plays. So I think that was the misconception when they first hired Matt Nagy. Well, he's calling the plays. He's a, That's Andy Reid. You see Andy Reid with the, with, with the sheet all the time on it. Yep. He's calling the plays. So – not all systems are created equal, right? Sean McVay, he's been able to do it great for the Rams. Yep. McDaniel, all these other guys, right? So why do you think that they're able to get the best out of them? Because they're like this. This is this is this is Matt Stafford's strengths, or this is Brock Purdy's strengths. Let's put it to that. This is two of his strengths, right? Luke Gessie's like, no, oh, these are my plays I want to run sometimes, and let's just do it. Right? No adjustments. Not like, okay, Justin Fields is comfortable when we get him on the move with the quick three-step rhythm throws. The proof is in the pudding. How he played in Washington, right, um, was unbelievable. And he, and he missed a couple throws. But then another thing is like this, right? People aren't so critical on a guy like Josh Allen. And I know he's proven a little bit more than Justin Fields. But if he makes Aaron throws, he has a bad game. It's not the end of the world, right? Justin Fields has a poor performance. Oh, we need to draft Caleb Williams. We need to do this. When they're not looking at who who should be at blame, and that's Lou Getzey. I don't care what anybody says. If if 
Brock Purdy's on this team right now, the way they're calling plays, he's not going to be successful, right? Tua's on this team, no, I he's agree. not going to be successful. I Josh agree. Allen's not going to be successful, right? It just is what it is. Like, it doesn't matter who's back there. You have to be able to call plays for somebody's strengths, and they're just not doing that. It's a disservice. And what's going to happen, right, is we're going to see this this year, right? We're going to see one game up here, one game down here. And people are going to say, hmm, the jury's still out about Justin Fields. We need to draft Caleb Williams. And you know what? The same thing's going to happen over and over again, right? They're going to draft another quarterback, and they're not going to focus on the positions that they need to. Like I said, the trenches, where, where you look at the teams that are successful, Philly, you look at you look at what they've been able to do in San Francisco, right? Offensive defensive line, Trent Williams, shut down. Mike Micah Parsons can't do anything on him, right? Defensive line, Nick Bolson company, yep. uh, Javon Hargrave, uh, all these guys, Kinlaw, uh, Jackson, all these guys, right? They got Randy Gregory too. That's how you build around teams. And the Bears just haven't done that in polls. He's left the defensive line out to dry the past two years, right? The offensive line has got better, but you know, I understand he, he he likes Braxton Jones. I don't know if he's the future at left tackle. I don't know, right? We haven't seen enough from him. He's been injured. Um, but I think they have to solidify that left tackle. You have to. And then you have to get some dudes at defensive end and defensive tackle. That's how you win games. That's how you stay in stuff. Um, I, I, I just don't know how he can expect this team to be that competitive when he – the defensive line – he. He left. He, he left. He left the team out to dry. As far as that goes. Yeah, I. I mean, I think it's a slow build. You know, you. You. They had so many holes after being the worst team in football last year, roster wise, and so they could like, yeah, of course, I would have drafted Jalen Carter, but I. You love Darnell, right? I'm really starting to enjoy what I'm seeing from him. That's helping the offensive line. So as much as Jalen Carter would have been nice, you. You only had one first round pick, so you had to pick one, right? And there's this off season. They're going to have another big off season where they have a lot of money and, and a couple of first picks, rounders, two first rounders to attack it even more than last year. Um, so you'll be able to address a few more holes. But as you mentioned, like if they have to use one of those picks on a quarterback, now that takes away from one of those assets you could use potentially in the trenches for the, the left tackle from Penn state or, you know, uh, you know, J verse the Jared verse, the, the pass rusher from Florida state, mm -hmm. I'm taking Marvin Harrison Jr. because all I care about is skill position, Corey. But at the end of the day, I understand what you're saying. You know, going back to like, you know, because I did want to touch on this from the fans' perspective because you asked this question, mm -hmm. and obviously there was a lot of chatter on Twitter, you know, with Rick Morrissey's co column that came out this morning. And uh -oh. and also, and I, yeah, ain't it? Hey, all good. Uh, been, a, been a fan of, I, I, I had the, the Sun-Times delivered to my house for my whole childhood I've always looked up to the sun time. I go way back since the bulls, the nineties the bulls days, but going, but to the point of this narrative about people that want Tyson Bajan, this is something I did talk about today on Twitter. Cause I see it from fans. I mean, we had fans calling for this for weeks. Like this isn't something that just started up now that he came in and made a few throws. People have been calling for this and, and you ask why, and, and, and I understand people's frustration with it, but at the same time, I understand why some fans want to see it. And at the end of the day, I just think there's just some fans that don't believe in Justin Fields, period. You know, and, and so anything different than that, they want to give that a shot. And they talk about processing quickly, and I, I kind of made the point of, well, you know, he's a check down quarterback at this point as a rookie def division two type of guy. He's going to get the ball out quickly. They're not going to expand the playbook to what they're asking Justin Fields to do to read all these coverages and and see the whole field and and hide a low. They're just going to keep everything short and sweet. You know, kind of the way when they brought Kyle Orton in at first, you know, I mean, that's who he was. And then he slowly built up to something better than that. And he was a solid, he wasn't a great quarterback. Now, could that be Tyson Bajan's story? Maybe, or he could just go the way of a million backup quarterbacks that never, you know, can keep up with the speed of the league. But I, I just think from some fans perspective they're they're done with the fields experience they want to see a different quarterback in there simply just to see what the difference is and i've talked about this for a month and a half now 
at the end of the day, for fans, specific the coaches need to figure it out, but for fans, we want to know the root of the problem. Every week, we talk about assigning blame, and you've talked a lot about Luke Getze being the problem, and it's obviously something I t- hold a lot of water with because you know what you're talking about. But for fans, they're never going to be convinced until they can see something different you know, from the variables that exist and why the same problems keep occurring. Well, now you've got it. It's through a really bad circumstance with Justin Fields getting hurt, but now you're going to see some things this week that are going to expose things one way or the other. And, and maybe Tyson Bajant shows that hitting the check down more is something that Fields should get better at. And I, I do believe like he's a he's a big game hunter and maybe he needs to just take what the defense gives him a little more but it's a balance cuz first week of the season he hit a bunch of checkdowns and we were all bitching about that he's not hitting it downfield so it's it's almost a no win for him but then the other aspect of it is play calling with Tyson Bajan in there now let's see what Luke Getzey can do with a quarterback that does have you know some more limitations athletically and now now you're really, it's really on the coaches to get the most out of their quarterback. So to me, that's what it is. Fans just want to see something different and see what changes from there. Yeah, I mean, my, my thing is like this. The Commanders game, the Denver game, I think he played well. Like he played really well. So I, I don't understand like the, the, they don't see the correlation between, right. oh, when you game plan well and you call a good game, what is capable, right? And if anybody thinks that Beijing is going to be the quarterback of the future or what, I, I, I just don't understand it. Um, I, I think there may be a purpose for him as a, a serviceable backup that can come in and, and, and be, be able to orchestrate drives, maybe win games. But th- there's no doubt in my mind that Justin Fields with a right coordinator is a franchise quarterback can be a top t- 10 quarterback for sure. There's no doubt. I mean, what he did the past two weeks before this, it's unbelievable. So I, I don't, I don't understand anybody saying it's a fluke. There, there's a difference. You look at, you look at any quarterback, even the most talented ones. When, when you, when you get them out of rhythm, Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, even Patrick Mahomes when he played uh, the Jets, they've done a great job all year of getting quarterbacks out of rhythm. So th- there, there is a correlation between the pressure, you know, all this, and the quarterbacks not doing well. So even the best, Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback to, to play in the game now, right? Josh Allen's on that level too. Look at the Jets did to him, right? Look at the Jets did, they, they took three of the best quarterbacks in the league and, and they made them look very, they look, made them look below average, right? Did they look like the MVP caliber candidates that they are? Not at all, right? right? So my thing is like this, I'm looking at it like Getsy is calling the plays. So sometimes whoever quarterback's in there, whether it was Andy Dalton, whether it was Justin Fields, to look like that, you know? Like, it, it just is what it is. He needs to be better with that. Yep. He needs to be better with the, with the game planning. And the, it, it's just fact, right? If you pressure a quarterback, doesn't matter how good they are, and you don't have a game plan off that, they will not perform well. Yeah, I, I definitely I don't think there's any question, even for the people that that don't believe in fields at all. And, and there's there's people in our chat now and, and we hear them every day on Twitter and everywhere else that just don't believe in them, period. But at the same time, I don't think any of those people could question that the coaches are also a part of this problem. You know, and and I don't know. I don't think Justin Fields is the biggest problem on this team like other fans do. So with all that being said, at the end of the day, now he's injured and he could, you say a couple weeks, but we really don't know. I mean, when Jay Culler hurt his thumb, were you on that team, Corey? When Jay, it was 2011, I think, yeah, right? 2011. Yeah. yeah. You guys were seven and two yeah. playing the chargers. He went to tackle a guy on an interception pick six. Mm-hmm. And it looked like he just, uh, they said he had an injured thumb. I'm like, Oh good. He'll be back in a week. And then the next day they said he was out for a year. Were you on that team? Yeah, that was we, that was the year we were seven and one. That was the year that we didn't make the playoffs. Twenty eleven, when Josh McCown came in. Well, but you guys were seven and two to start that year, and then you went on it. Yeah, you it what? I don't know if it was Josh McCown that came in. I promise you, I remember it like the. I promise you, Corey, you guys were seven and two. You were rolling, 
And then you got, I can't believe I have, I, I, unless I'm wrong and, and Gary, you can railroad me in the chat, but Jay Cutler heard his thumb. You guys were seven and two against the chargers. Johnny Knox. Chargers. Was going, yeah. We played the chargers in 2012. It was 2011. I, I don't know. This is kind of a funny thing. Cause this is how Come I on, brags. I, 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 I promise you your, your I, fandom. Corey, I promise you. You didn't play you. the Chargers in 2012, bro. I 20, promise you that. 2011. I'm telling you. Exactly. This. So when did we go seven and one in 20? We didn't make the playoffs that year. All right. Well, so Gary's going to have to handle this. Man, yeah, but Josh, I, Josh McCown was in 2013, man. I'm, I'm, I might have to get PF on here, man. You know, <laughs> Oh, this is funny. Well, we're getting older, so it's hard to remember these things. But the way I remembered it is you guys were seven and two and 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 Cutler hurt his thumb. Swanky's saying Greg is right. So now you're getting backed in a corner here, Corey. Uh, in twenty twelve. Corey, you're getting a little long in the tooth. Your memory might be, you Hold know, on. fleeting. I'll look, yeah. I, no, no, I'll look it up right now. In twenty twelve, we did not play the Oh, Chargers. Derek Carter. Yeah, he is right, Woot. Uh I'm promise you. I, I remember it because of how soul crushing it was, Woot. You guys were seven and two. You guys were rolling. Jay Cutler was hitting these passes, Johnny Knox, and I was going nuts. Uh, Gary Ross in the chat. He always comes. Oh, there, there's yeah, exactly. 2011 Cut, because Cut. Johnny Knox didn't play in 2012 Cutler. because of the injury. I said 2011. He no, said, you said 2012, dude. Oh my gosh, we're, we'll run the tape back later. And you said seven and two. <laughs> we were not seven and yes, two. Yes, you were. I said 2011. You were seven and two. You were playing the Chargers. It was a pick six. I remember it like it was yesterday because it literally, I started crying when they said he was out for a year. And then a couple games later, I'm pretty sure this is the same year you guys played Tim Tebow. And I've never had yes, a bigger, right. That was the Kaepernick that you guys also played Kaepernick that year. And no, that the, was 2012. Okay. Well, I'm getting old too. So I'm it's, it's merging here. You're right about him hurting his thumb, but All we were right. not and seven Pete, and two that year. Pete Hagland, seven and three when he In got 2011, hurt. 2011, dude, you guys were rolling. You were going to win the Super Bowl that year. I promise you just, why can't you trust me? I, I, you guys were going to win the Super Bowl and Oh man, this I'm, is I'm looking. I'm looking at it right now. 2011, right? <laughs> we started off the, with a win of the Falcons. We lost two in a row. We won a game. We lost another. Yeah, maybe you're right. Hey, I got and then we lost. And then we hold on. You, you were you, okay. Okay, I was thinking of because. Hey, I was hold I was on. half wrong. I said seven and two. You were seven and three. All right, so okay. I'll meet you halfway. So, so I was thinking of because the next year. 2012 we started out seven and one that's what i thought you were talking about okay oh uh, and i honestly don't remember that as well so regardless yeah. you guys had you a said real johnny life. knox you got me but that year i didn't realize how competitive we were up until oh my that, gosh. that stretch you, guys, you that was with mike martz and jay cutler finally coming together yeah. and figuring it out and right. that goes to show you when it comes to a quarterback and an offensive coordinator, if you thought I never in a million years thought Jay Cutler and Mike Martz were ever going to figure it out. I mean, the infamous moment where Jay Cutler is like, tell Mike Martz, fuck you, because he he, he called so many seven step <laughs> drops and it got picked up on TV and he called another one and Cutler had already been sacked like 12 times at that point. And yeah. but they figured it out. They even yeah. figured it out because it's about matching your personnel with the game plan you want to have and then the exactly. game the guy creating the game plan getting the most out of the players he had mike martz's biggest problem at first was he was trying to run the rams offense without marshall falk and isaac exactly. bruce and tory holt but he eventually adjusted because he was a good offensive coordinator at the end of the day and they started to get going with johnny knox devin hester even people try to schneid him for how he wasn't a good wide receiver johnny knox devin hester and earl bennett were rocking and rolling at one yeah. point and people forget sure. that i'll never forget it thank you very much but at the end of the day what i was going with was going back to fields which was that was a fun tangent um <laughs> we, what, we, were, go, we were we were both kind of right that's right. That's fine. Well, we're getting, Hey, you know, at old age, it's what happens to the best of us. We forget things. Too many, too many hits to that. No. <laughs> well, and all these years kind of mold together for sure. So, yeah. but going back to fields now, cause this is where I'm worried. It feels like the Cutler thumb moment all over again, where yeah. it's like, Oh, he's going to come back in a couple weeks. Let's just, cause we're not going to play doctor and, and know whether or not he's back in two weeks or back in four weeks or done for the year. 
the question I want to ask you, and this is the headline of the show, because I keep, mm -hmm. and you alluded to this a little bit with the Caleb Williams thing and how it's just not going to work out if they try this again with Caleb unless they put the trenches as a priority. But the question I am asking you is now that he is hurt, is this the beginning of the end of this? Because as much as you're in Justin's corner and as much as some fans believe in Justin Fields and as much as we all understand he's extremely talented and better than what the Bears have gotten out of him, the clock is t running out. And now that he's hurt and if the Bears potentially have this number one pick, which still isn't a guarantee, does this signal that the decision is kind of being made for itself with Ryan Poles or is if you're Ryan Poles, are you rolling the dice again? I want to hear what you would do yeah. and then also what you think Ryan Poles will do. So if, if what, what I would do, right. If I'm Ryan Poles, right. I would, I would once Justin Fields is healthy, play him the rest of the season, see how he performs. And, and I'm keeping in mind the game plan offensively, how gets is calling plays, right. Um, and, and then I'm making a decision based off that. But I think that he's talented enough, and especially if he has consistent games uh, where he performs well, that it tells me everything I need to know from Justin Fields. I don't, I don't believe he's the problem, but I think the jury is still out even with polls and company. So I, I just hope that they don't because my, my thing is like this. It doesn't matter, and I've said this, who, whoever the quarterback is, you have to build – the right roster around a quarterback. Right. And I, I really do believe that's why, that's why some of these teams are successful. So if I'm him, I'm going to build the talent and build it. How, you know, some of these powerhouses right now, San Francisco, Philly, um, Miami, what they've been able to do over there. Um, so you, you can't expect to just pick another quarterback and say, Oh, I'm not going to surround him with exactly what he needs and expect him to do well. So if I'm polls, I'm rocking with Justin Fields for another year. Right. And then and then this is like a, this is like a prove it like we, we have to have everything, the coordinator. And you might have to make a decision about Luke Getzey if he continues with this, whether it's Bajan or, or Justin. He has to call the games better. Right. So I think there's a decision to be made for even even Iberflux as well. Right. Because polls, if, if I'm him, if I see what I'm consistently seeing from Iberflux, if I'm seeing what I'm seeing from um, Luke Getzey there's got to be some decisions made this off season. So I, if I'm polls, I'm rocking with Justin Fields for another year, building the team around him, offensive, defensive lines, adding maybe another weapon at receiver, but really solidifying the trenches because that's what wins championships. It does. Anybody right. that thinks otherwise, right. I know you're high on Mar Marvin Harrison, which would be a great addition, <laughs> but there's a lot of other needs that, that are more important, right? Oh, <laughs> seven and 11, the giants, right? What they, what they were able to do to Tom Brady. Yep. They, they made they him look like the, a non-factor, oh, yeah. yep. right? Because of pressure, right? Yep. Pressure is one of the best things you can do. Von Miller, when he played against Cam Newton and them, he single-handedly won them that game, yep. right? Seattle, when they played Peyton Manning at uh, MetLife Stadium uh, in the Super Bowl, Cliff Averill and, and uh, Michael uh, Bennett yep. took over that game. They, they couldn't do anything. No, so did the, the, the Lions win... It, it wins games, man. Well, and, you're, I, I, and you're seeing that turnaround right now with the Detroit Lions. They don't have the best quarterback in the league, but he's he's doing more than just getting the job done. But their trenches are set, and exactly. so that 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 proves your theory with with their that particular team for sure. So you, you said all the first it, round picks that they've had, right? Yeah. Taylor Decker, Sewell, Aiden Hutchinson, right? Yep. They're really building, and and all those guys are performing really well, right? So they're. They're hitting on, on their talent, right? And then they're developing, right? Aiden Hutchinson right now looks like one of the best defensive ends in the game, not only for, for his ability to rush the passer, but to make impact plays, right? Yep. And it's paid off. Who do the Bears have defensively that can make impact plays like that? Besides the linebacking core. Yeah, I was going to say, you know? the, not on the defensive line at, to this point. I mean, you know, um, Yannick Ngakwe has a resume, but he, you know, it's not like he's all due respect. He's not Khalil Mack, right? Where he's where he's where he can wreck an entire game. Exactly. He can contribute, it's, but he's not wrecking an entire game like you're describing. Yeah, it's 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 very rare unless you just have such such a powerful offense like Peyton Manning for years with the Colts and 
you know, what Kansas City has been able to do without like such a dynamic defensive line or, or players, right? And I know Kansas City's had Chris Jones, right, who's an absolute difference maker. Um, but yeah, it's very rare that a lot of times that you don't have such a dominant defensive line and you're able to win Super Bowls. It just doesn't happen as much in this day and age because of the way that you pass the football, right? The, the way that how coverage has gotten so good, right? There's a lot of talented uh, defensive backs. So I, I just think the recipe should be this offseason, really revamp offensive defensive lines, make decisions where you need to, get your center, get your left tackle, get get a defensive end, get a three technique. Really, I'm, I'm talking about, you know, whether it's trades, whether it's in the draft, whether it's free agency, he really has to load up that. And I do believe that they will have a chance, and especially – if, if Gessie doesn't, doesn't prove his worth this year, you got to let go of him. You do. Yep. I, yep. I think whoever the quarterback is going forward, it, it's it, they're not going to be successful if Luke Getzey is not calling the, the plays the way he did uh, the, the previous two weeks. Yeah, he's got to show consistency. Uh, there's no doubt about it. And and something everyone should be doing consistently is using our, our guys' draft kings and, and using the code CHGO when you sign up. The NFL, the NFL season is going strong, and DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking new customers up with an offer that's even stronger. Bet five bucks on any game this week to score two hundred dollars instantly in bonus bets. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of a sweetener offer every game day this October. Get in on the game day greatness. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the code CHGO. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets when you bet five on the NFL. That's code CHGO only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. Licensee partner, Golden Nugget Lake Charles, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after assurance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsibly, responsible gaming resources. So there it is. I kind of had a stroke halfway through that. But uh, <laughs> it's not easy, man. I can't, I can't read, and I mumble when I talk. So, Corey, really quick before we wrap things up, we're talking about the defensive line. Tomorrow, we're going to have an opportunity to talk to Jervon Dexter live. We're doing a live show tomorrow, and I want everybody awesome. to know uh, that you guys can come out to 3434 South Halstead Street and uh, in Chicago, Illinois, right down the road from Comiskey Park. And Mark Carmen and I are going to be doing a live show at Buffalo Wings and Rings. This is a collector's cave event. It starts at 630. Uh, Jervon Dexter is going to be signing autographs and, and taking pictures with fans, and you can get those tickets at uh collectorscave.com and uh if you come to the event you can get a ticket there as well and um so you have a chance to meet them and then at eight o'clock uh we're going to be talking to jervon dexter live uh at buffalo wings and rings great food great atmosphere have a chance to meet you know the rookie d tackle uh so we're really excited for that so make sure you guys come on out and show some support to us and collectors cave and buffalo wings and rings and we appreciate them circa sports will also be hanging out with us as well so we're really excited for the big event tomorrow night um but that's what i want to talk to you about you know prep me for this you know mm -hmm. i'm getting ready for uh you know talk to javon dexter him and zach pickens they had the one play in the first half where zach really got up the yep. field and, and blew up the play and dexter was in on that play as well and the week before, Dexter had a, a another promising game. So it, it feels like he's starting to turn the corner a bit and, and kind of getting his bearings here in the NFL. What are you seeing specifically from Dexter and both yeah. rookie D tackles? So so Dexter, I, I feel like, has the most potential, right? I, I think they drafted him strictly off potential. And, um, you know, I remember when we did the draft show, right? Um, I, I was kind of questioning it a little bit, right? Because... I felt like in a situation like I could understand if Eagles drafted him, 
because they, they have a pretty good roster, right, as far as defensive lines. Right. So you can develop and learn from those guys. But for the Bears, I was kind of scratching my head a little bit because I'm like, you need a defensive tackle day one that's that's ready, right? I thought, I thought there were some guys that were a little bit more ready. Uh, Keno Benton from Wisconsin, right? I yep. thought he was a day one guy that could come in and start right away. Um, so I kind of just didn't understand that. When I, when I watched Dexter's film – I'm like, wow, it's unbelievable because he would get off the ball as slow as can be because they had that read and react scheme. You guys talked to his college coach uh, from Florida. I, I saw over the summer. Yep. And we're talking about that a little bit, but it was unbelievable. The fact that he got off the ball, uh, there was like sometimes almost two seconds, the ball snapped and then he's getting out of his stance that he was still able to make plays and right. Granted it's in college, right? And it's a different, different standard. Not everybody's playing on Sundays, but to see his athleticism, to see his strength over there. And they're, they're, as a taller guy, I, I battle this too. You have to keep your pad level down and you got to be able to get off the dang ball, right? That's something you got to do. And sometimes it's very inconsistent. You see him still oozing off the ball at times. But what I do see is there's strength, there's power, there's quickness. So I think when he can buy into the system, it's going to be impressive to watch, right? Because Somebody that's that big, six, six and a half, I believe, and he's about 315 to 20 pounds and, you know, runs potentially four, eight, four, nine. I mean, unbelievable quickness. So when he can put that all together and my, my main advice would be for him is just is just continue working on your get off, work on your pad level, because I think when he can get off the football, think about that, right? A guy that's six, six and a half, 315 to 320 that moves like that. Yep. When he gets off the ball consistently, especially in this in this Tampa two, the three technique is the engine, right? So if somebody tries to reach you, you get up the field, you make the play, right? If somebody tries to set you, you're able, you're able to get off the ball, get him up the field, work the, work your way back inside. So it makes everything that much easier. So if he can work on those two things, Brags, I, I'm going to say watch out, right? If he can really trust it, and that's half the battle, right? Because he's been so used to that system. If he could just trust the get off, because the Tampa two, honestly, is the best system out there. When I was in college, the first couple of years, I ran a read and react. And we had Mike Hakowitz come from Colorado. And he told us, get off the football, get off the football. Don't worry about anything. Don't worry about getting reached. And, and that year, defensively, we we're unreal at Northwestern. Then I got drafted to the Chicago Bears and Lovey system. And it is the best system if you trust it. And every defensive lineman would love that, especially as a D tackle, when you don't have to read and react and two gap things, when you could actually use your quickness and use your penetration to make plays, it opens up a lot of things. So I'm excited to, to when Dexter can fully trust it and, and buy into the system because he has all the tools. And I, I think he hasn't even scratched the surface of what he can be. So I'm looking forward to seeing his development. He seems like a great person, humble guy, ready to go. There's no doubt that he has the work ethic, he has it all. But it's about just combining that and buying into that Tampa 2 system because once once people trust it, it allows them to really flourish. I look at a guy that I play with, Henry Melton, right? Got drafted as a DN. Yep, um, out of Texas. Rod Marinelli's, yeah, Rod Marinelli's like, ah, you know, he's okay as a DN. I think where he can really flourish is this, is this Tampa 2-3 technique. And, you know, before that ACL injury, I mean, unbelievable, right? For a guy, like, if, if he had the two-gap, it probably wouldn't have worked out that well for him. But, but the thing is, he has such great quickness that he was able to set edges, you know, by getting that penetration. And then he's one-on-one -on, -one on a guard, former college running back. Unbelievable his quickness and moves inside. So think about that with, with Dexter. He's not as, not as quick as Henry Melton who ran a 4.6, but for his size, unbelievable. So if he can be able to exploit that, it watch out, right? So... I'm looking forward to seeing that, and I'm hoping they give him some more playing time, right? You're trying to figure things out. I, I highly doubt that D Justin Jones will be here next year at this point. I, I, I don't believe so. So I, I think why not go with Pickens? Why not go with Dexter, especially if they're starting to flash? Because yep. at this point, right, you want to see you want to see a lot of growth from these young guys. You want to get them reps, especially if they're not hurting. Yeah, I, I definitely uh, have been encouraged here the last couple of weeks by those guys. And it's nice to see because, you know, they're going to need them here going forward, even if they continue to bolster uh, this rotation on the defensive line. You know, you mentioned three technique and one technique with with um, Henry Melton, you know, trying to identify where he was best suited. Mm -hmm. Have they seen it doesn't really feel like they've figured out which one they want to be a one technique versus a three technique. 
Yeah. Like, where do you stand on this? Like, do you think one or the other is better better suited for? Well, I, I think I think what they're what what I've seen Dexter do that they're having him more as the nose, and then Pickens a little bit more at the three because uh, Dexter is just a massive individual. So I think they're trying to play him inside a little bit. But I honestly think he'd be better suited as a three technique, right? Um, yeah, and just like you said, Doctor Truth Billings has, has has been awesome in the run game, right? There's no doubt about it. What he's been able to do, um, but I think Dexter, where he where he would really be suited is as a three technique, right? I, I think with that size, with that strength, with that length, think about it. When you when you look at the positions, right? Him one on one against a guard, especially especially on that three on that three technique, right? You're able to get off the field if he could trust that get off and quickness. And then he has options. He can run through you. He can go outside you. He can go inside you. And um, that that would be a heck of a matchup. Somebody that's 315, six, six and a half with that arm length to be able to really push the pocket, um, you know, and, and, and get in that quarterback's face. And look at a lot of these quarterbacks, right? Russell Wilson, Baker Mayfield, a lot of these guys aren't very tall. So you, you look at like a guy like Eric Armstead, right, from the San Francisco 49ers, guy that's 6'7" great arm length. Um, you know, what, what's his name from, um, Indy that we, they were talking about potentially trading, uh, uh Buckner, Buckner, DeForest Buckner as well. Right. That's, that's what, what somebody like Dexter could bring to the table, right. With, with his length and his strength and he has great quickness. So I would, I would love to see that. Um, but I think they're, they're leaning on him for more of a nose, it seems like, but I would like to see him at the three technique. I, I think he really flourished here. Okay. Yeah. It'll be interesting here. Uh, yeah. Andrew Billings has been fantastic as well as people are pointing out in the chat that did you see the play where so I put it on Twitter, I retweeted somebody that made this video where Billings was coming on the field late and then they snapped the ball and he was on the field in time, but he had just gotten off the sideline. So his pass rush started on the sideline and he's, it was the funniest thing I've ever seen. Like he he's like bulldozing towards the line of scrimmage from the sideline as the ball is snapped like this huge human of a being. He like reminds me of Keith tractor trailer or something like that. Just coming in a hundred miles an hour. It was, it was pretty comical, but he's been a huge addition here too. Uh, the Chicago Bears defensive line, and hopefully they can uh, extend him and he can be here for a few more years because he seems like a really good piece of the puzzle. Uh, so I think that wraps things up here tonight, Corey. Uh, appreciate all your insight as always. You know, we're just going to have to wait and see, you know, when it comes to the announcements for Justin Fields. Uh, Bears going in against the Raiders here on Sunday. Tyson Bajan's going to be the starting quarterback. Uh, I don't know what's going on with Jimmy Garoppolo, but he may be out as well. And Brian Hoyer might be the quarterback. So what kind of expectations quickly do you have going into this game, you know, from the bears side of things? You know, I I just want to see Getsy call a good game, right? Put, put Beijing in a position to succeed, right? Like the the one thing I didn't understand is that the first half, right? You look at the amount of targets they had the week before with uh, DJ Moore only had one target um, at one point. And I'm like, in the first half, I'm like, what, what is going on right here? He was up, going up and getting the 50-50 balls last week, which were the three or four of them where he went up and got. So why not give your best playmaker uh, a chance to, to make a play on the ball? That's, that's what the Vikings do with Justin Jefferson. Yep. You know, that's what the Buffalo Bills do with Stephon Diggs. That's what, that's what all the great quarterbacks do with their big playmaking receiver. Um, Patrick Mahomes does that with Travis Kelsey as well. So I just didn't understand that. So Luke Getze really needs to have his his best game plan, especially with, with a young guy like Bajan trying to get his confidence up. Rely on that running game early and often, right? And if, and if Oakland – or, sorry, Las Vegas, rather, right? Las Vegas Raiders, if, if they're bringing pressure, have a plan for it, right? Have the screens, the draws. And this week, I know I know they, they feel comfortable about Darnell Wright, but I'm not letting him one-on-one on Max Crosby, right? Max Crosby can wreak havoc on opposing offenses. So um, chip help, I'm sliding protection to him. They don't have Chandler Jones playing on the other side, so all my attention is going to be on Max Crosby this week. I'm not going to let him beat us, and Lou Getzey should have that game plan, right? Let's slide it, chip help. Let's have uh, Mercedes Lewis come in as well be an extra, extra offensive lineman, essentially. So they just have to get smart as, as far as that goes because there's sometimes where I'm watching games and I'm like, Nick Bosa's one-on-one on a backup tackle. What the heck is going on right here, right? You got to be smarter. So Luke Getzey has to call a better game plan. 
And defensively, right, Josh Jacobs, they're going to try to get him going. Devontae Adams is still a playmaker, right? It's been, it's been up and down with him and Garoppolo, but whether it's Hoyer or whatever, they're going to try to give him targets. So defensively, you got to get pressure, right? Ibrahim, you got to dial him up. You got to make whoever that is uncomfortable, right? Because when you make a quarterback uncomfortable, there's Aaron throws, he's going to take sacks. Usually there's good situations for defense. So I, I want to see that, right? It's been up and down this season for the Bears, but there's always next week. So hopefully we'll see some of that. Hopefully they'll get a win. Yeah, let's hope so. Uh, you know, you talk about Max Crosby, and if the old saying goes, if you can't beat them, join them. So maybe we'll trade one of those first-round picks to the Raiders so they can move up, and, and maybe we'll make them give us Max Crosby. That that would be uh, – I'd take him all day, every day, twice on oh, Tuesday, 100%. Tw- twice on Sundays. So, uh, all right, well, that wraps things up. We did actually have a couple Super Chats, so I apologize not getting to them earlier. Jason McKenna, $5 Super Chat. If the Bears spend their money on D-line and O-line – this will impact Fields Tyson positively, which will impact the receivers and running backs. It certainly is a trickle down effect, which it always starts in the trenches. Any football guy will tell you that. Uh, Mariotto Nav- Navaretti, two dollars super chat. Watch the All Twenty Two. JF One is not the problem, so they're in your corner, Woot. Uh, you know we're just gonna have to find out it, and hopefully Justin Fields isn't out for the year. If he is. That's going to be a tough proposition to see what his career is moving forward with the Bears. But at the end of the day, let's wait and see what the announcement is. And if he's able to come back, I think every Bears fan would be rooting for him to, you know, have a good finish to his year and make that decision really hard on Ryan Poles. So um, that wraps things up here for tonight. Thank you all for tuning in. Please hit that like button on your way out or really close to 40,000 subscribers on YouTube. So if you haven't subscribed yet, subscribe now. Go and make your mom or dad or your girlfriend subscribe. Even if they don't watch, we don't care. Just have them subscribe. And then maybe one day they will tune in to see the greatness that is me and Corey Wooten. We're really starting to gel here. And today, you know, pick me up. Had to help you out remembering your own career. That was an awkward. You you, you said John, you said Johnny Knox no, and Johnny Knox no, got hurt in 2011. Don't you said 2012. Do don't try to turn this around on me now, okay? I'm I'm here to help you, Corey. Let me help. <laughs> let me help. Help me help you. You know, I'm your friend. Just trust me. You know, whatever. I'm I'm on the same boat as Carm with you. You and him having too many cockies together, whatever you call him. <laughs> All right, man. Well, have a good night. Uh, you too as well, chat. Like I said, hit that like button and we'll see you later. Bear down, ladies and gentlemen. We all silly like the mayor. 